0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's word. All right, church, let's see what the Bible has to say about this matter of quitting. I was told in Bible college, you need to make sure that you have a King James Bible, and you need to make sure that you have an 1828 Webster's Dictionary. And then they said this, take scissors and cut out two words from that dictionary. Cut out the word compromise and cut out the word quit. That cannot be in your vocabulary. I didn't do it, but I did it mentally. I did it mentally. I couldn't afford a dictionary at the time. What does the Bible say about it? Surely God will have none of it. Surely God will not be patient with it. Surely God will look down and say, you pathetic little worm thinking about quitting. Get up and move on. Don't complain to me. I'm glad I don't find my Lord doing that. Something that I've been trying to wrap my mind around, I was gonna preach it this morning, but I, I still haven't wrapped my mind around it. Who, who is Jesus deep down? You know, there's only one spot in the Bible where the Bible talks about who Jesus really is deep down. There's only one verse in the Bible that talks about Jesus's heart. Did you know that? Only one. His heart is implied in many other areas. His heart is shown in many areas. But only one verse talks about his heart. And it's Jesus talking about himself. When he says, if I could let you know who I am, deep, deep down, he says this, I am meek and lowly in heart. I'm trying to wrap my mind around what that means. Meek means strength under control. True strength is the backbone of meekness. You cannot be meek unless you are truly strong. I go on my walk around our block and there's one house that's got a little chihuahua. And every time it sees me, you know what it does? I I don't speak dog. But if I would interpret it, it would be, let me at him, let me at him. Take this cage away, let me at him. That's what it's saying. And if that thing were to come up to me between me and the chihuahua in a fight, and I'm not trying to be humorous here, okay? I'd win, I'd win, okay, I'd win. Chill out. If I had my chopsticks, I'd win, I'm telling you. Oh man. A little bit down, a little bit down the way, there's a pit bull. And when I walk by, that thing doesn't even care. It just kind of sits and... Because that thing has true strength, but it's under control. Jesus could, what he's saying is, when you come to me, because that's, that's the verse, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart. What he's saying is, I could punish, but I won't. I could reject, but I won't. I, I could give you the what for, but I won't, I'm meek. And I'm lowly, lowly means to be humble. (laughs) The King of Kings, lowly. The Lord of Lords, lowly. What he's saying is I don't have to, but I will. I don't have to yoke up with you, but I will. What I'm trying to bring out is when you go through these quitting times, The Lord understands. And He's given us direction on how to get through it. And you need to get through it. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we can go ahead and turn there. You can stay seated. You can stay seated tonight. We've already gotten into the message. Lord, please bless the reading and the preaching of Your Word. Thank You so much for Your people who are here, and new people as well. I love seeing Older faces and new faces. Lord, keep bringing us people. We need them in order to reach this city. Oh, Lord, help us to grow. We ask this in your name. Amen. Elijah. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Chapter 19, verse 1. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword... Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah and left his servant there. Beersheba is the most southern part. Ahab and Jezebel are up in the northern kingdom. He comes down to the most southern part. He himself, went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now. Oh Lord, take away my life for I am not better than my fathers. Have you ever felt this way? He's not necessarily suicidal here. I mean, he... What he's saying is, I can't live like this anymore. And if I have to keep on living like this, I'd rather die. Have you ever felt that way? You ever said, it's enough, I can't, it's enough. Enough is enough. (coughs) Maybe at work, maybe at school, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your ministry, maybe just life in general. Murphy's Law kicks in, and everything that can go wrong seems to go wrong. And it seems like you can't do anything right, and people think that you can't do anything right. You have become Charlie Brown incarnate. And many times when you look in the mirror, you're ashamed of what you see. And it's not that you're genuinely contemplating death, but you start understanding why people see that as the only way out. You start to have a little bit more sympathy for people who go through that. It's called a quitting time. Oh, church. I could tell you of a time, and I'm not telling you this for sympathy. I might bring it back towards the end of the message to show you something good that has come from it. But within my first two years of pastoring here, I got hurt. Many of you had no idea what was happening. But man, I got hurt. Hurt by words, hurt by actions. I was told things by people closest to me things that I don't think I would have the heart to tell my worst enemy. Just a young pastor trying to make things work throughout a global pandemic. And I was told, you know everyone sees you as a fool. You know you're running the church into the ground. You know if there was another church in the area, we'd all leave. I went to my office and I wrote my resignation letter. It was a quitting time. I got through it. I got through it. It Wasn't the first one, it wasn't the last one. Listen to me, any pastor that has made it, more than five months in ministry has faced a quitting time. Any pastor that has built anything has faced a quitting time. Any Sunday school teacher that has built anything has faced a quitting time. Brother Mark, have you not faced quitting times? And do you realize, sir, if you get through them like you have gotten through the ones in your past, do you realize right now In your Sunday school, your Sunday school has a larger roster than some churches. Some of you are Sunday school teachers here. You realize if we plan ourselves deep and we make something happen here through God's grace, you might minister to people in your Sunday school more than some pastors minister in their entire church. But every Sunday school teacher that's ever built anything has faced a quitting time. (laughs) Any marriage that has made it 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, has faced quitting times. I don't care if you married your best friend, you will face quitting times. Any ministry leader, usher, nursery, bus director, any ministry leader that has, made, that has done something has gotten through quitting times. Any church member that has stayed in the same church for years has faced quitting times. Any church member has gone through times where they look at what's going on and they think, I don't agree with that. Now I'm not talking about doctrine. If doctrine goes wrong, don't you leave. Take a vote of confidence and get the leader out. But any church member that has made it has had to get through quitting times. Any friendship that has lasted. You you know this. Your closest friends. I saw a shirt the other day that said this. If you weren't my friend, if you weren't my friend, I'd hate you. <laughs> your best friend, you get into your worst arguments with your best friend. Any friendship that has made it has gotten through quitting times. Find the marriage that has lasted and find the marriage that has ended in divorce. And here's the only thing that differs. One of them got through their quitting times and one of them didn't. It's not that this one that has lasted avoided quitting times. This one that has lasted has never fought. This one that has lasted has never disagreed. They are the first couple ever never to fight. And that's why they've lasted. No, it's that they got through their quitting times. It's, it's, let's just make it as simple poss- as possible. Divorce is not an option. Amen. Amen. Those are the ones that make it through. Those are the ones that make it through. Find, find the church member that has lasted and the church member that hops around and hops around and hops around and hops around. Here's the difference. One of them gets through their quitting times and one of them doesn't. Find the pastor, find the ministry leader, find the the Sunday school teacher that has built something that has lasted and find the one that quits and takes every opportunity that he can to go somewhere else so that he can keep preaching his same messages. One of them got through their quitting times and one of them did not. Both of them wanted to quit. Both of them wanted to be done. Both of them said, alike with the other, it's enough. I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. But one of them got through it and one of them didn't. Do you know how Moses became the greatest leader in the Old Testament? He got through his quitting times. Do you not remember the time he tried to commit suicide by prayer? Moses and Elijah, two men who tried to commit suicide by prayer. Moses became a great leader because he got through it. Do you know why Jeremiah became a great prophet? At one point he said, I'm done. I will speak no more in his name. Lord, you have deceived me and I was deceived but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. He got through his quitting times. Do you know why Peter saw about 3,000 people get saved and added to the church? He got through his quitting times. Do you know why Paul saw Timothy converted and many other people? You know why he became a great missionary? He got through his quitting times. Do you know why Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne right now in all power and glory. He got through his quitting time. Oh, yes, even he had one. Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. You will face quitting times in your marriage. All right? If it hasn't happened yet, it will. Cade, you've been married how long? Almost a month. Almost a month. <laughs> Buckle up, bud. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna face quitting times in your marriage. You're gonna face quitting times in your ministry. You're gonna face quitting times at your church. You're gonna face quitting times in your, your own spiritual walk with the Lord. You're gonna face quitting times and all of it. And you've got to get through it. You've got to get through it. And there are some steps that you can take, and I'm going to give them to you, but more than a step-by-step, a step, it's, a, it's a thought process. It's a mindset that you've got to have. And here's the simplest mindset you can have. Are you ready? Here's the simplest mindset. How can I give up on the one who never gave up on me? Amen. And if you have that mindset, if you have that mindset, how can I give up on marriage when the one who never gave up on me says he hates, I hate divorce? How can I give up on ministry in the house of the bride of the one who never gave up on me? How can I do that? You've gotta get through and you can. You can, do you understand me? You can. I, un- I know what it's like to be in the thick of it. I know what it's like to be crying when nobody is round. I know what it's like to be screaming and it seems like nobody listens and even the ones who are listening can't understand. I know what it's like to look before and behind and side to side and you can't find God. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be like Job and say, it was better if I was never born. but you can get through it. And remember, Job also said this when he said, I look forward and I look back and I look side to side and I can't find him. He said this, he knows where I am. And when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. You gotta keep your faith in the quitting times. It's easy to keep your faith when everything's going easy. It's easy to keep your faith when you're on the mountaintop. You've got to keep it in the valley, you've got to keep it in the dark. He's still the same God. Well, my circumstance isn't changing. Your God isn't changing either. You've gotta make it through. You've gotta make it through. And here's Elijah's story. Just so you don't think that, oh, he got this threat from this woman and he went running for his life. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. You need to understand the history here. He shows up on the scene three years ago. Elijah Elijah the the Tishbite, that's all we know about him. We know he's hairy and we know he's got guts. He shows up and he tells the king of of Israel, Ahab, there's not gonna be rain for three years. And then he goes away and the Lord leads him to a brook, the brook Cherith. And he's sitting there eating meals, I think two meals a day from unclean birds slowly watching his brook dry up. Once the brook dries up, God leads him to a widow. He tells the widow, make me a cake first, remember? The widow's out gathering sticks to go inside. Sir, I only have a little meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. I've gathered two sticks to go in, start a fire, make the cake so that me and my son can eat it and we can die. And he says, I understand all that, but make me one first, because the Lord promises if you put Him first, He will take care of you. And she does, and she does. And and what I want to point out notice this with me, notice this with me, okay? Prophecy that there's going to be no rain, and it comes to pass. Brook Cherith, slowly, slowly, slowly going down. And then you go to the widow, and the Lord gives you a word again, and it comes to pass. But then guess what? The widow's son dies. But then he's raised again. Elijah raises him again. And then the Lord says, go back to Ahab. So he goes back to Ahab. And Ahab says this, hast thou found me, O mine enemy? He says this, art thou he that troubleth Israel? That's what he says, art thou he that troubleth Israel? And you know what he's saying? All of this is your fault, Elijah. All of this is your fault. Oh, that feels good. He says, I am not he that troubleth Israel, but thou and thy father's house. Oh man, he's got guts. To point his finger in uh, in the face of the king and say, this is your problem, buddy. And so he says, tell you what, gather all the people. Gather all the people and let's figure this out. So all the people show up. I, if I if I called if I met with the mayor and the mayor blamed me for the state of Corpus Christi and I said it's actually your fault I said but guess what bring all of the people of the city and all of them showed up a crowd of 316,000 people as a preacher I'd feel I'd feel pretty good. <laughs> They're gonna listen to my sermon and he says this. How long halt ye between two opinions? If Baal be God, then serve him. But if God be God, then serve him. But none of this in between stuff. What do you say? And the people answered him. Not a word. You know, one of the hardest things for a preacher to pour his heart out and see no response. And he says this for the first time in verse 22 of chapter 18. He says, I, even I only am left. I'm all alone. I'm all alone. And the prophets of Baal are 450. So then it comes. Do you see the up and down, the up and down, the up and down? That's the hardest thing. That's the hardest thing, good days, bad days, good days, bad days, good moments, bad moments, good news, bad news, up and down, up and down. A heart can only take so much of that. So then he says, challenge time. You pray to your God, I'll pray to my God. Whoever sends down fire, that's God. Deal? And they say, deal. And you know what the, the, the Baal worshippers do. So there's 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the grove, 850 total. And they all start jumping up and down, cutting themselves, all these different things for hours and hours and hours, and no, no fire is sent down. They break down the altar. Elijah repairs the altar. He tells them to pour the water on it. Elijah sits down, prays, I think a 63-word prayer. Whoop! Fire comes down. The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. Finally, yeah, 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 he is. Gather up all of the prophets. Let not one of them escape." 850. Elijah takes the sword to 850. Elijah alone goes up to King Ahab and he says, there's going to be rain. Rain starts coming. What a victory. What a spiritual victory. What a physical toil. Of that day. But what a spiritual victory. And he's so excited. He's got so much adrenaline in him. King Ahab starts going back to um, Samaria. Elijah outruns the chariot. After he has done all of that, after he's repaired it, after he's prayed, after he's 850 times. He outruns a chariot and you, you know why? Because he's thinking, this is it. This is it. What more? What more can can be done to prove to my people that God is God? And what does Ahab do? He goes and cries to his wife. <coughs> you won't believe what Elijah did. <laughs> And he gets a letter from the palace. And he was probably expecting a letter. A letter like, would you come and help this revival? Would you come and lead us spiritually? Would you come and pray so that we can get right with God? And instead, it says, you're dead in 24 hours. Yeah. What else am I supposed to do? What more can I do? Done! Enough. Enough. You feel for him? What would you have done? Well, i live to fight another day, I guess. No, quitting time. Done. What else am I supposed to do? Call backup. What backup? What backup? I just stood in front of everybody, and none of them answered me. So you know what he does? He's so exhausted, it catches up to him. He lays down and he falls asleep. In verse 5, he he, he laid down and slept. He was exhausted. I don't think he slept because he had nothing better to do. I think he slept because his body gave up. And God sends an angel. Wake up! Sleep! Sleep! While Ahab is in, in idolatry, sleep! Get up! Sleep while Jezebel is running rampant and leading this nation? Sleep while all of my people are, are committing spiritual fornication against me? Sleep? You're going to sleep? No, that's it. Behold the mercy and love of God when he sees one of his children going through a quitting time. He heard the prayer, Lord, I'm done. Take me out. If I have to live like this, take me out. I can't do it anymore. He heard it, and while he's deep in sleep, he sends an angel to start a fire. Go and get a cruise of water and bake him a cake. And the angel touched him. Do you see it? The angel touched him gently. Elijah, arise and eat. And he looked, and there's a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. He arose and he eat. And he laid back down to sleep. I don't know who did this. I have some guesses. But I was going through a hard time. And I found this right here. And I keep this in this passage right here. It says this, praying for you, eat some cake and take a nap. (laughs) He goes to sleep again. The angel wakes him up. Arise and eat. The journey is too great for thee. And he does it again. What is the first thing that you, that you can do when you face a quitting time? And Oh man, it's so practical, so, so carnal sounding, but notice the mercy of God when he saw his child going through a quitting time, he said this, take time to care for yourself physically. I'm not saying this to be in a joking manner. You know it more than anybody else. Even Snickers commercials know it. You act foolish and you make bad decisions when you're tired and you're hungry. How practical is God's word? Elijah, you're exhausted, sleep. Elijah, you're hungry, eat, twice. And you have to admit it. When we're going through stress, when we're going through anxiety and we're going through depression, many times we eat nothing but junk. We live on caffeine. Oh, well, Elijah ate cake. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like a German chocolate cake, okay? It wasn't a little Debbie snack. And I know, I know that because in those two meals, the Bible says he went in the strength of that meat 40 days. He ate what his body needed. He ate what his body needed. And I think this, this part of the message resonates with people, especially in America, more than anything. We're addicted to sugar, we're addicted to all of this bad stuff, and it messes with your mind. So when you get stressed out, and when you get anxious, and when you get depressed, one of God's first things is, you better take care of your body. But many times when this won't shut down, we don't sleep. We mindlessly scroll. We find ourselves up one in the morning, two in the morning, three in the morning, just trying to distract ourselves. We get drunk because we're just trying to distract ourselves. We go into a spiral of self-destruction because we're just trying to distract ourselves. And God says, that's the last thing you need to be doing. Take care, rest and eat, rest and eat. Take care of yourself physically because there's more that's coming up. But if you don't get this right, you're not gonna be able to face any of that. Here's what he does next. Verse eight, he arose, did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the Mount of God. You know another word for Horeb? <clears throat> Sinai. Anyone know the significance of Sinai? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's where Moses got the Ten Commandments. That's where this relationship all began. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, You piece of trash. You just took 40 days off in the midst of a national battle. You lazy bum. No, I think with kindness, like a father sitting next to his son after he lost a ball game. What do you, what doest thou here? Tell me what you're feeling. Tell me what you're thinking. What doest thou here, Elijah? And he answers. He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering into the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? And Elijah gives the same answer. What is the next thing you need to do when you face a quitting time? You need to get alone with God. You need to get alone with God. Turn, listen to me, listen to me, please. I'm gonna help you. Turn off your phone. Don't, stop getting alone with Facebook. Stop getting alone with TikTok. Stop getting alone with X. Stop getting alone with whatever else there is out there, Instagram. Stop getting alone with YouTube shorts. Stop getting alone with HBO and Netflix and Disney Plus. Get alone with God, for goodness sake, get alone with God. And what I see is when you're alone with Him, you give Him time to talk to you and you to talk to Him. For Him to search your soul and for you to open your soul to Him. You give him that time. When's the last time you took a walk without your phone and just talked to God? When's the last time you turned everything off and you locked yourself away, you got alone and you read and you read and you read? Especially in a quitting time. You need to get alone with God because you know what God will do for you that nobody else will. He'll get your mind right. He'll get your mind right. And what's going on during a quitting time? The reason you want to quit is probably because you're not taking care of yourself physically. But then also, you're, you, are, you are mentally unhinged. You're not thinking right. Why did Elijah want to quit? Why did Elijah want to quit? He said it three times. He said it once in 1822, and he said it twice to God. I'm alone in this. I'm alone. I'm alone. I'm alone. I'm alone. I am the last one who's fighting for you, and they're coming to kill me he was wrong. He was wrong. But in Elijah's mind, everything is out of control and I am the only person fighting. And God's answer is, I am very much in control and you are not the last person fighting. Look at what he says. Look at what God says in verse 15. The Lord said unto him, go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Mahalah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass, that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. Let's not just read over that. What God is saying, while you are thinking that everything is out of control, while you are thinking that you are the only one, I have reserved 7,000 people who, who believe just like you believe and who are ready to fight and die for me just like you are ready to fight and die for me. You are not alone. And you think everything's out of control? I know exactly who's gonna be king over Syria next. I know exactly who's gonna be king over Israel next. And I know exactly who's gonna be prophet in your room next. Which means, do you realize, which means God had been planning since Elisha needs to be born here so that he's ready at this time. Jehu needs to be born here so that he's ready at this time. And um, uh, what's the other one, hazel? Haziel needs to be born here so that he's ready at this time. Oh, and that means Elisha needs to be protected all throughout his childhood so that he's ready to be a minister to Elijah. So I'm going to protect him. That also means that Haziel and Jehu need to have some political prowess. They need to have some education. They need to be they need to be taken care of. They need to be protected in this specific way so that at this moment they can step in when I need them to step in. God wasn't just saying, "Oh yeah, Elijah, you kind of shook me up a little bit, so let's make him ready and let's make." him ready and let's make him ready. God had been planning this for years. Oh, but all this chaos is happening. Yeah, I know. There's a wind blowing around you, isn't it? And there's an earthquake going on around you, isn't it? And there's a fire that's going on around you, isn't it? Yeah, there's a wind blowing in your marriage, and there's an earthquake blowing in your ministry, and there's a fire that's going on everywhere. Somebody showed me something sometime that said, being a pastor is like riding a bike, except you are on fire, the bike is on fire, everything is on fire. Well, guess what? God isn't in all that chaos. He's in the still, small voice that outlasts all the chaos. If you would just listen God wanted to talk to him the entire time. And God wanted to show him just because all this hullabaloo is going on doesn't doesn't mean I've lost control. I'm still very much in control. I can send the wind and I can stop it. I can send the earthquake. I can stop it. I can send the fire. I can stop it. And even if somebody else starts it and I'm not in it, I will still be speaking all throughout it if you would just make it through and listen. Gotta get your mind right, Elijah. Number four, find some help from a godly friend. You need an Elisha. You read throughout the rest of the chapter, Elijah goes and finds Elisha, and I I love this. Elisha was willing, Elisha was willing to depart from family, to leave his job to minister to Elijah. Way to go, Elisha. Way to go, Elisha. And you need to find an Elisha in your life. You need to find somebody who's gonna encourage you. He's gonna tell you, keep on going, keep on going. You're not alone, we're here with you. You need to find somebody. And here's where I'm really gonna spend some time. You, sir, and you, ma'am, need to stop worrying about being Elijah and be willing to be an Elisha to somebody else. Amen. That's good. Everybody wants to be Elijah. Everyone wants to be the decision maker. Everyone wants to be the leader. Everyone wants to be the quarterback. Everyone wants to be the driver. Somebody needs to understand there is no driver without a passenger. There is no captain without a follower. There is no pastor without the pew. There is no Sunday school leader without the followers. There is no, there is no leadership without the help. Somebody has got to be an Elisha. Elijah was described as this, the great prophet of the Lord. Elisha was described, by the way, Elisha did two times more miracles than Elijah, but Elisha was described as this, he's the man that poured water on the hands of Elijah. And do you know why Elisha did twice as much as Elijah? Because he was willing to serve Elijah. The best leaders are the best servants. The best leaders are the best followers, the best supporters. Somebody needs to be willing to encourage somebody else. Well, I don't stay around church because I don't need the fellowship. What if somebody else needs you? Right, right, yeah. I don't go to those Sunday school activities because it's, it's just draining to me. Selfish, selfish, selfish. Do you know how many Elijahs have quit because you were not there for them? <laughs> you know how many pastors have given up because when they needed somebody in the pew to say, hey, we're here for you, we're here for you, keep going. Nobody did. Do you know how many pastors have given up because they stood up like Elijah did and poured out their heart and the people answered them, not a word. Do you know how many marriages have ended in divorce that would have been spared by one by one supportive friend. How many Christians would have made it if they, if they just had one person that they knew was in their corner? You've gotta find that somebody and you need to be that for somebody else. And here's the last one. How to, how to get through your quitting times. Remember, take time to take care of yourself physically. He took 40 days, 40 at least 40 days. I'm not asking for a 40-day vacation, but I, I will say this I don't think a lot of pastors could do that today. But I wonder how many pastors would stay and make it in their ministry if they knew I could take that time if I need it to get alone with God. Take time to take care of yourself physically. Get alone with God, read your Bible and pray, read your Bible and pray, read your Bible and pray. Get your mind right, get your mind right. The devil's in your mind, the devil's in your mind. The Bible says, think about things that are true and honest and of good report and pure and all of those things. Get your mind right. Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Get your mind right. Find a good, godly friend who will support you and encourage you and challenge you and sharpen you. And then number five, get back to work. Get back to work. God said, go return. Go return. I'm not done with you yet. Get back to work. God still has so much planned for your marriage. He still has so much planned for your Sunday school. He has so much planned for your ministry. He has so much planned for your family, so much planned for that friendship, so much planned for you. You've just got to get through this quitting time. The Bible says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. The day of adversity, days end, days end. You can get through it, you must get through it. Do you know why Job was able to hold and kiss and love 10 more children? Do you know why he was able to enjoy twice as much as he had enjoyed before? He got through his quitting time. Do you know why Peter was able to see the joy of three, thousand people trust in his Savior, at the lips of his preaching, he got through his quitting time. I look out and I see... my mom and my dad as my church members. It never would've happened if I had quit when I wanted to. I see so many of you I minister to on the bus route you came back, I never would have seen that if I had quit. I I think of families that God has brought Tyler and Marissa. I would have missed that. Marvin, I still remember the time you came up and you got saved here on this platform. And that was six months after I wanted to quit. You've just got to make it through. You've just got to make it through, and you can. I promise you, you can. I just held the hand of C.D. (coughs) He's laboring and breathing, and he says, I'm so ready to go home. And it never gets easier. It never gets easier to see those pass on. I held Miss Cipriana's hand as she passed on. And I've seen so many church members, I feel in four years who have died, it never gets easier. But I remember thinking, where would we be without Jesus? Oh, this room would be so much different if Jesus had quit. He could have called 12 legions of angels and said, done, done. But he pushed through. He got through his quitting time. And he died and he was buried and he rose again. And now look at the blessings that we have because he got through his quitting time. I have so many people ask me, how how do you keep your marriage strong? How do you do that? Here's the answer. When you want to quit, don't. It really is that simple. When you want to quit, don't. How do you raise godly kids when you want to quit and compromise, don't? How do you build a Sunday school when you want to quit? Don't. How do you build a prayer life and a a Bible reading devotional plan when you want to quit? Don't. How can I be a good usher when you want to quit? Don't. How can I be a good church member when you want to quit? Don't. How can I be a good song leader when you want to quit? Don't. How can I be a good musician for the Lord when you want to quit? Don't. Just take it out of your vocabulary. I am not going to quit on the one who never quit on me. Get through your quitting times. God has so much planned for you. And you're gonna miss it. You're gonna miss it. It's the hardest thing. When I see people quit, they're, this close to victory. They're this close. The night is darkest just before the dawn. You know that. Just get through it. One more day. One more hour. One more moment. One foot in front of the other and trust in him. Trust in him. Trust in him. Don't look at the wind. Don't look at the earthquake. Don't look at the fire. He's not in any of that. Listen. Listen for his leadership and you will get through. I promise you.